Carolina, and this recording is from one of our church services. For more information, visit our website at churchofphiladelphia.com. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the message. Amen, amen. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to the Church of Philadelphia, our online experience. Amen. Where all things are praise, worship, and deliverance, where most certainly all things are about the Lord Jesus Christ, where he's high and lifted up, and where he's great and greatly to be praised. And we thank God for the opportunity, and we honor you guys for allowing us the opportunity to come into your households on this morning. So we ask that you grab the family, grab everybody. Whether you're gathering in the living rooms or at the kitchen table, we ask you just come, get your Bibles, open your hearts, open your mind, open your ears so that you can hear the engrafted word of God so that the word can be planted like a seed that can change us from the inside out. Amen. So we honor the spirit of the living God. We honor our apostle. We honor all those leaders in their respective places. I honor my wife and my children in Jesus' name. Amen. And so, Without further ado, we're going to jump into the word, amen. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to flip like some gymnastics over to the book of Psalms, chapter number 34. When you have it, say amen. And as you're flipping over there, we're going to go ahead and say our decree over this word in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to say this decree over uh, the word in Jesus' name. And the word is that we decree. I decree that my ears, my heart, and spirit are open to receive the engrafted word of God, which is quick alive and powerful, active. And the spirit of meekness, the ground of my life, is further to nurture and grow the seed of God's word that will produce fruit in my life. This week, I am a successful doer of what I will hear today. And I will leave here today full of faith, love, power, wisdom, and victory. Amen. And if you believe that you ought to give God some praise right where you are. Amen. So if you have the word, uh, we are in Psalm chapter number 34. And we're going to drop down to verse number 15. And here begins the reading uh, of God's holy word. It says, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. And we're going to drop down to verse 17. The righteous cry and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivered him out of all of them. Amen. Amen. We praise God for the reading of this word. And so the title that we're working with here on this morning, we're talking about God and the righteous. God and the righteous. Amen. And so we find ourselves here in a familiar passage of scripture, right? And um, it's one that we tend to quote a lot, uh, speak a lot. Uh, definitely after God has done something miraculously, or after God has done something so wonderful in our lives, we might have been in a moment of struggle previously, but God seems to break through because he's the master breakthrough, you know, uh, the God of the breakthrough. And so uh, where God has broken through the breaches uh, and, and made a breach where he's able to come into our lives, you know, it's, it's here where we find ourselves beginning to quote this particular Psalms, you know, round about verse number one where David talks about, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth, my soul shall make a boast in the Lord, the humble shall hear thereof and be glad, right? And then he follows up in verse number three by talks about, oh, magnify the Lord with me, let us exalt his name together, where he's encouraging Israel to actually bless the Lord with him because as he the king is anointed as he, the God, does things for him as the king. He understands what God does for him. It will follow suit to the kingdom or throughout the kingdom. So he encourages all of Israel to bless God with him, to magnify the Lord with him. And so 
A familiar passage of scripture, like we say, after God has delivered you, after God has made a way, after God has brought you out, after God has rescued you, after God has redeemed you, after God has forgiven you, a lot of us find ourselves right there where we begin to get like David and say, God, I will bless you at all times. Because what it proves is that how good God is, regardless of the situation that we have been tried with, faced with, challenged with, it proves that God is still good, even when life itself hasn't been good to us, you know, because momentarily, it, which can seem like such a lifetime or it can seem like five years or five months, but we understand momentarily life can feel and appear to be so unkind and so unfruitful and so unproductive, but we understand it just proves that God is such a good God. Regardless if life itself seems to agree whether or not, we understand God is a good God. Whether life feels good, seems good at the moment, we know God is a good God. And so because of that, David is actually able to say, I will bless the Lord at all times. And all means all in the Bible. So whether things are going good, I'm going to bless him. Whether I think things are going bad, I'm going to bless him. Whether I think things are lovely, I'm going to bless him. Or whether I deem them to be unlovely, I'm going to bless God. Whether they're beautiful or ugly, I am going to find myself at a place where God is good and I am going to do nothing but give him the praise. I am going to give God the glory challenged in my physical body, but I'm going to give God the praise. I'm going to still bless his name. Whether I'm challenged in my finances, I'm still going to give God the praise. Challenged in the relationship that I have in my life, I am still going to give God the praise. When my relationship with God is challenged, I am still going to give God the praise. When I feel like I still want to be saved or don't want to be saved, I'm still going to give God the praise. And so David was encouraging all of Israel to magnify, to exalt the Lord with him, to know because he's a good God. This is why we can bless him at all times, because he is a good God. Amen. And so David writes this particular psalm because uh, when you go over to the book of 1 Samuel, you know, uh, in chapter number 16, where David is anointed king, followed up in chapter number 17, where David defeats Goliath, you know, this 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 young dude comes and he defeats Goliath, right? And and the thing is, when we talk about him being anointed, the fact that he has been anointed king, coming from the passion now, uh, being promoted to the palace, he doesn't have a throne as of yet, but all of this now knows that David will actually replace King Saul. And the thing is, him being anointed brings about just pressure. And if you put that definition for pressure up on the screen, because we're still in our current summer series talking about a breaking point. And when you have that type of pressure as a young dude, when you're not called to lead a country, lead, you know, men that are older than you, men who have skill in a war, but, but they're not looking to you to not lead them, right? It can bring about pressure. And we're going to look at these definitions for pressure, right? Because uh, we're still talking about this breaking point. And I don't know about you, when a nation, when a country is not dependent upon you, 16 years old, you know, barely got hairs on your chest. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, but he's been used to taking care of shepherding and watching over and guarding his father's sheep, right? Where he's had to tackle a lion and tackle a bear. So that's where his war has taken place. Never had to war against another man, but he's had to war, had to war actually against animals, per se, right? Now, the strength of the bear, the strength of the lion, it supersedes the strength of the man, right? But when you think about the level of intelligence that a man has in comparison to that of an animal, especially that of a skilled, warring man, right? Something very, very, very different. 
right? And so when you look at this, because he's now been anointed to be now the new king over Israel, it brings about oppression. Oppression is defined as, number one, the action of a force against an opposing force, right? So we now understand there was some, they don't like the fact that David is going to be king. There are some, for instance, Saul is coming out of the tribe of Benjamin, and all the Benjamites, they support Saul at this particular moment. So guess what? You're going to have people opposing you simply because of who you are. Uh, you have no, you have no, no ability to lead whatsoever. They're looking at this, right? Uh, uh, not only that, they're looking at his age and all of these different things right there, right? So you can throw those definitions back up, right? They're looking at this age. So all of these things that are opposing David, right? And definition number two talks about the stress or urgency of matters demanding attention, right? So we understood the fact that God has now chosen David to now replace Saul because of Saul's disobedience unto God, right? So this is the stress or urgency of matters demanding attention. This was an urgent matter in the eyesight of God. I have got to replace this guy right here. I give him one instruction. He can't follow that instruction. I have got to replace this guy. Matter of fact, I only lifted him up or allowed him to be king because the people, the nation decided they wanted to be like all the other nations and actually have a king. Whereas I, God, wanted to be their king. Let them become a nation that was very different from all of the surrounding nations. I would be their king. Whereas the other nations, the surrounding nations had uh, 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 kings for men. Definition number three talks about the pressure exerted in every direction by the weight of an atmosphere. And so understand the pressure now that has been thrust upon David, right? Because now this atmosphere that he's having to walk in as being the king. You know, although he hasn't ascended to the throne as of yet, he still has the title and he has the oil that has been poured upon his head by the prophet Samuel that he is now king. So there is no shaking this all. There is no, I don't want this. The oil has been poured and the oil has been smeared. Uh, 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 there are witnesses to, to uh, you know, of his family, but also the men of God, the prophet who God sent to anoint him. This is a call from God. And so there is pressure, you know, and, and, and unwanted pressure, uh, dare we say. It wasn't something that he went looking for. He went searching for. Uh, he was seeking something that he was desiring. Matter of fact, I used to believe that they was okay taking care of the sheep. And it's father's passion, right? Uh, he made a life out of doing that, right? That he was good at it. And he was skilled at it, you know? I can imagine, you know, on, on, on cool evenings, calm evenings, you know, he got one of his little instruments and he's out there singing and, you know, uh, before the sheep, his little audience and all of these different things where he's become friends with the animals. He knows how to talk better to the animals than he knew uh, to other human beings. You understand? Uh, uh, so I, me, I believe he was okay being in the passion. Because when I try to thrust myself into the shoes of David to have such a radical change where, you know, uh, the, the, the individuals that are looking up to me or the individuals that are depending on me to safeguard them, keep them, lead them, guide them, protect them are cheap animals. So now I'm going to a more sophisticated people, human beings. I am now being thrust into the forefront of an entire nation where when the nation has to go to battle, I, the king, must go out. Before them, I must lead them into battle, all these different things, right? And so as you move from chapter number 16 and go into chapter number 17, of course, David has been anointed as a king. Uh, nation of Israel is at a, 
a stronghold, you know, uh, between the Philistines. And, and, and the Philistines has this Captain Goliath where he's spewing off things, you know, uh, from across the valley with the children of Israel. And all the children of Israel are afraid. And, and King Saul at the time talks about, you know, to the man that, that defeats their champion, you know, I will give my daughter for you to wed, you know, and you, you, you'll live tax free and all of these different things. And so David, being on assignment from his father to take his brothers who was in the army some food, you know, to check up on his brothers and bring word back to his father how his brothers are doing, hears, he's in earshot of what's taking place, you know, amongst all these military personnel. He's in earshot and he hears what's being said for the person that would kill this, this Philistine champion. You know, just to make sure David says, okay, so, so, so what's going to happen for the person that kills this champion? Well, you know, you, you'll be given riches and you'll live tax free and you can actually marry the king's daughter. So giving you direct access now to the kingdom. You, you're engrafting it to the, 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 the royal family now. Okay, fine. And so that's not necessarily the thing that moved them. The fact that they were heard him defying the coming against the, 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 the army of God or the Lord of hosts per se, coming against God, defaming God, defying God. Sick of David on the inside. This young dude, you got all these other dudes that are older than David, skilled in military battles and all these different things, but yet they are afraid. And there's something about David that the courage of the Lord was not just upon him, but it was in him. That he rose up and said, You know, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Well, I like that. I like that. Yes, I do. Because uh, I find myself when folk in the world be trying to come against me, you know, when folk want to say something and act like because I'm a Christian, it's going to weak, you know, I'd be like, Now, nah, I know this uncircumcised. Philistine is not about to try me, Lord. Have mercy, Jesus. I feel the anointing of David coming on me, God, right now. Yeah, you know, and you feel like you want to just take somebody's head off. You understand what I'm saying? Do you know somebody can't you relate where, where folk be talking noise and they really don't know who you call from and they don't know where you come from and they don't really know what you're capable of. But, but the fact that you wear your Jesus paraphernalia, they, they think, okay, well, he's a Jesus freak, so he's a Jesus punk. You understand? He's soft. You understand what I'm saying? But that's not getting it twisted. Not only am I a worshiper, you got to must believe that I'm showing up for warrior. You got to best believe I am a worshiper and I am a warrior. Let's not get it twisted. My my first inclination is to worship, but let's not get it twisted. I have not forgot how to throw these hands. Oh, you better help me. I have not forgotten how to throw these hands. I have not forgotten my little bounce, my two-step, my two-piece. I haven't forgot it. Just believe. And there are a lot of things that God has delivered me from now. And I was real with God. I said, God, I, I don't know if I want you to deliver me from the anger and fight it as of yet, God. Maybe when I'm about 47, you understand. And I'm a little slow in my step, God. And I feel there is no need to fight because people should know me and they should know what I'm about and I'm about the things of God and that when people try me I should be more patient by that time God I should be more understanding by that time God I, I should not be as hot headed or you know what I'm saying I shouldn't have no quick temper by then God so then God maybe you could deliver me then but uh, until then you, you know let, let me hang on to that anger just a little bit uh, to the point that it doesn't control me anything God it doesn't rule me. I got control of it, but when I need it to kick in, I'll let it kick in. You understand what I'm saying, God? Don't, 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 don't deliver me from these, 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 these handpieces, God. You understand what I'm saying? No, not, 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 not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. You understand? Because folk will try you. And what we see now, everybody lives on home road key. We got some straight up gangsters, some 
falsified crips and bloods that live on the home row key. Now, I'm talking, talking cash noise from home row key. Uh, what am I saying? They, they talk cold noise. They talk cash noise from, from the computer. They talk cash noise from their cell phones, and they talk cash noise from their tablets and all of this stuff where nobody can't see. Show your face. If, if, if you're that hard and if you're that bad, show your face. Let, let me see who you are. You understand what I'm saying? Don't talk behind the screen. You know, talk behind the screen and you all big and bad. Don't talk behind the screen talk about you going to go to my house now. You understand? Talk behind the screen. Come from behind the phone, come from behind the tablet, come from behind the computer, all of these different things. Show yourself. If you're man enough, if you're bad enough, that's how I feel. So I just feel like, God, don't, don't, don't deliver me as of yet. You understand what I'm saying? But, but, but it was at this point where David took it upon himself that he was going to kill this dude. And he said, how dare you defy the Lord of hosts, uh, the God of Israel. And he just began to charge. He, you know, as he grabbed his five tombstones and his slingshot, and he ran out and just with one twirl of his slingshot, boom, dead smack in the center of his forehead, he took the giant out and took his own sword and cut off his own head and all these different things, right? And so after he defeated Goliath, as we move through the scriptures and move to chapter number 18, you know how all the women begin to sing the song, David has killed, or I said like this, Saul has killed his thousands and David has killed his ten thousands and stuff. And Saul catching wind, hearing what his service, his subject at this particular time, although David has been anointed to be king, Saul is still sitting upon the throne. He's still seated upon the throne, right? So Saul's subjects are now singing about David's victories rather than singing about his self-proclaimed victories, right? So they say Saul has killed his thousands and David has killed his ten thousands. And, and Saul catch winds of his subjects actually lifting up David, you know, exalting David, praising David for his victories and and now the fame of David is spreading throughout the land. And Saul becomes jealous of him, and Saul tries to kill him. And we understand that God has sent an evil spirit to attack Saul. And so the only way this evil spirit will be calm or it would subside or it would leave is through the plan of an instrument by the skilled hands of David. And while David would be actually soothing Saul from the presence of this evil, the demonic force, Saul in turn tried to kill him because of his jealousy for David, right? And afterwards, when you drop down into chapter number 18 a little bit more, Saul then gives his daughter to David to wear to David, actually marries Saul's daughter, Michael. And, and when you move over uh, uh, to the chapter, now we finally come to a place where, you know, Jonathan, Saul's son, is warning David about, you know, hey, listen, my dad is going to try to take you out. He can't stand you, dude. He he can't stand you, but because you my boy, you know what I'm saying? Because, man, you made covenant because I love you like I do, man. You my dude, man. You like my brother from another mother. You understand? You my dude. I'm not going to let him do you like that. So I want to inform you what's going on. In other words, I don't go against my dad trying to help you because I understand God is over my eyes to know that you are the rightful king. You're supposed to replace my father. So because I honor God, I honor you. And, and, and Jonathan lets David know he warns him about his father planning to kill him. And then it comes again where his father Saul tries to, you know, it's another attempt on the life of David. Again with the spirit while David is trying to soothe him, you know, from, from the, the attack of his demonic force. Playing the instrument, the enemy, Saul tries to attack and kill him once again. 
And then it comes a point where Saul tries to creep up on David while he's at his house with his wife, Michael. Uh, but somehow Michael catches wind and Michael helps David actually escape the hands of a father. Amen. So what an awesome story. So as we come over to the book of uh, uh, Psalms, right, uh, this is where David actually played like a madman. All right. So when you move through those particular scriptures in the book of Samuel, uh, around about chapter 21, David has now fled. He's fleeing for his life because his father-in-law is now chasing him, you know, uh, seeking him out to destroy him, seeking him to kill him, you know, to rid the nation of him, to rid the world of him. And David seeks refuge. He meets up with one of the priests and uh, uh, he, 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 without having a weapon or anything in his hand, he actually gets a weapon and all these different things where he's able to defend himself now. But he still had the presence of mind. Although my father-in-law is an evil dude, he is still the anointed of God. I respect who God has anointed as being king over Israel. So until God removes him or God removes the anointing, I will not come against him. Such an honor, such a respect. And, and I don't know about you, to have someone that is anointed by God, but on the other side of the coin, he's trying to take you out. If that's not enough to cause you to have a breaking point, if that's not enough pressure on you to make you feel like you're about to break down, then I don't know what it is. This is my father-in-law. I'm married to your daughter, but yet you're trying to take me out, your daughter's husband. Like, you don't worry about what that's going to do to your daughter because you're just trying to satisfy your hunger and desire to kill me because of your, 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 you're driven by the jealousy and the hatred because the people saw my ability to lead or my ability to defend the nation of Israel in comparison to you? Me, the young dude. That's, that's pressure. Uh, and that, that will make any man break in, in, in their right mind. You know? But as David flees, right, he flees to a place called Nob and there, you know, he's seeking refuge and then the, 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 the men have caught wind of who David is. And they say, oh, isn't this the king of Israel, David, who's killed his ten thousands and Saul, who's killed his thousands? And they bring David before their king, Abimelech or Kish. And, and, and David remembers the words of Abimelech or Kish subjects where they're saying, this is King David who has killed tens of thousands, and Saul has only killed thousands. And David hearing that, and he remembers that he holds that word near and dear to his heart, and he becomes afraid of what's going to happen, that if his true identity is exposed to this particular king, because this king understands this could be a threat to my territory. And while I have him without an army, let me go ahead and keep nip this in the bud. Let me go ahead and take him out just like that. Right? But David, quick on his feet, Began to play like he was a madman, like he had lost his mind, like he had a, a mental breakdown, a breaking point. This was the only thing that was able to save his life. The point that uh, that king Abimelech he began to say, "Why would y'all bring this madman before me? I don't, I don't need another madman inside my kingdom. I already have enough madman or crazy men in my kingdom. Get this man." out of my presence and, and, and you dare not bring him into my house. Because he was quick on his feet, this actually saved his life. This, this, this saved his life. And 
what I want to talk about is, have you ever been there where you have to play a role in order to survive? And the reality, most of us have been living or playing a role or playing a part in your marriage, you understand, because your husband, you the female, your husband is trying to keep you under his thumb because he is insecure about who he is, uh, not just in the natural, but who he is in the realm of the spirit, because he refuses to do what God has called him to do, be who God has called you to be, and he thereby tries to keep you suppressed by keeping his thumb on you, and every now and then he'll try to hit you with that script, you know, because I'm the head, you know, and, and man is the head of woman, and all these different things where he'll try to usurp, you, you know, your authority, and all these different things, and utilize scripture in a, in a, in a derogatory manner, or in a wrong manner, you understand what I'm saying? Uh, uh, because he refuses to be who God has called him to be and do what God has called him to do. And because of his own personal insecurities, you walking out what God has called you to walk out or fulfill the destiny and purpose in your life. You understand who you are as a woman of God, as a prophetess of God, as a pastor of God, as an evangelist, as a minister, whatever the case may be. You understand and you embrace who God has called you to be. The changes that come with that, the changes that come with being anointed of God, you have embraced it and accepted that but he am is afraid and so rather than have you appearing to walk in or have more authority or power than him he would try to keep you under his thumb and so for some of you just to keep peace in your house you plan the part you plan the role you understand in other words you find yourself having to dump down the anointing of god dump down the revelation that god has gave you in order to make him feel good oh, I'm suggesting that you stop dumbing down what God has placed on the inside of you. Stop dumbing down the anointing that God has aged you with on the top of your head for the sake of this individual who refused to be who God has called him to be. Yeah, I'm saying some of us, we feel like we've been playing this role, living this role all our lives. You, you felt like you've been having to live up to the expectations of everyone around you. And, and for some of you, you feel like as soon as you turn 30 plus 3, you just figured out who you are. And so now it's time for you to live your best life. You understand what I'm saying? Do you know somebody came with it? Absolutely. You know exactly who I'm talking about. I'm talking about you. Yes, I am. Talking about you. Well, you just finally feel like you realize who you are. This ain't life. I, I, I finally feel like I've come to the place where I understand who I am. I know what I like and I know what I don't like. I know what I want and what I don't want. I understand who I am. Yeah. I, I, I like the person who I've become. Yeah. I'm like, I'm finally liking me. Well, well, reality, you feel like you've been playing a part all these other years, being who everyone expected you to be, being who everybody wanted you to be. Well, you was pretending. In other words, when you think about a role, when you think about actors and actresses, they're giving a role or they're giving a part where they have to become this particular person that the script says they're supposed to be. When you think about the life that you've been handed, but mostly you feel like it's just a script and you're living in this production called life, you understand, and, and, and your production manager or, or, or the one leading or casting the script has been your parents, you understand what I'm saying, and you don't necessarily like the part that you've been giving. You think you're supposed to be the star when you're the tree inside the family, you understand. All I'm simply saying is you're not the child that they look favorite to want. You're not the child that they was always talking about and boasting about and lifting up. You was that child that seemed to be forgotten. You understand. They never told you how smart you was. They never uh, uh, told you how beautiful you was, how intelligent you was, and you're going to do great things. But, oh, your, your nappy head brother, and, oh, your little bald head sister over here. Yeah, you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, I said it. Yes, I did. Uh, uh, they hyped them up all day long. You had to sit by and watch them get hyped up, knowing they was not as smart as you, knowing they were not as talented as you, knowing they were not as gifted as you, but, but 
somehow this is the script that y'all were giving. You was you was that giving that script where you had to play the background. You understand what I'm saying? Where you had to play the background to them. And if you're not careful, uh, the enemy will find a place in your life through through jealousy and through pride. It will cause you to be angry and resentful that that your parents chose your sibling over you, right? I think they should love you all the same. But for most of us, this is where we are. But we feel we've been playing a part or playing a role that life has handed to us. And for most of us, you feel like you just got the worst of the worst roles, the worst of the worst parts. Like, are you kidding me? I'm better than this. I wish you'd go ahead and be real. You're looking at your part, the script that you've been given, and you're saying to yourself, I'm better than this. I should be the, the Romeo. I should be the Juliet. No, but you're not. You, you're not. You're not the Romeo. You're not the, the, the Juliet. You're the understudy. That's the script that you've been giving. You're the understudy. Oh, that person did not plan to go this way. I'm just saying. But we've all have been there where you feel like we're playing a role. I, I, for example, I know I would play a role before I got married and had my three children when there was somebody I wanted and something that I wanted from them. In particular, I'm talking about dating. You know, I will play that role. I will be who you want me to be. I will make you think I am the most engaged dude. I am the most attentive dude. It is all about you. And long before you knew it, that thing will flip on you really, 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 really quick. So once I got your heart, you know, it's just a matter now. Let's show you the real me. Let's show you the real me. I was that dude. I was diabolical at times. Yes, <laughs> yes, I was. You know, diabolical. Yes, I said that word. I was diabolical at times with my plot and my planning and my scheming. You understand? And so, for most of us, you will play that role as long as you need to. For example, it's just like some wives, they play the role like they're so submitted, only till they get what they want. After they get what they want, you back to fussing and nagging and, and cutting the slam food and, 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 and messing up the piece in the house and all those different things. You're not submitting, not in the least. Dude. You got something to say. Every time the man of God says that you got something to say, you play the role because there was something that you wanted. So in order to get what you want, you got to play this role that you're meek, you're humble, that you're submitted. That you're, spoke, uh, you're self-spoken and all these different things. But it was a lie. It was a lie. It was a lie. It was a lie, right? So David played this role. He played this part in order to save his life, right? And as we jump down into our scriptures, Psalm chapter number 34, verse 15, it says, The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry, right? And so we, we, our title is, you know, God and the righteous, right? And we understand who God is, right? He's this holy God, this sovereign God, right? This all-powerful God, all-knowing God, this omnipresent God who's everywhere at the same time. In other words, he's the God that was, is, and is to come. He exists at all places, at all times, right? This this God that is wonderful, this God that is full of majesty, this God that's full of splendor, this God that is full of mercy and grace and love and forgiveness, compassion, so the anger, so the wrath, he's long-suffering towards us, this God that is a good God, this God that is great and greatly to be praised, this God right here. We're talking about God and the righteous. So we understand who God is, the, the creator of the universe, the heavens and the earth, 
right? Uh, this all-powerful being, sovereign God, self-existing God, who exists without the hands of man, was not fashioned or made by the hands of man. He existed before we ever were. Out of fact, we exist because he is. We exist because he is. And so now when we talk about the righteous, the righteous people of God, right? Uh, the Hebraic word picture for, for the righteous is talking about uh, it hooks so that your life follows. In other words, I'm, I'm hooked to this righteous God in such a manner that whenever this God moves, if that's even a thing, because if he's in all places at all times, if he ever were to move from this particular place, that he moved from this particular place will no longer exist anymore. Uh, but for the sake of just saying, if this God were to move because I'm hooked to this righteous God, I move with him. I flow with him. I flex with him. This is what it's saying when we talk about the righteous, those that are hooked, right? And because I'm hooked to this righteous God, my life follows him. Whichever way he turns, I turn with him. Whichever way he goes, I go with him because I'm hooked to him. So it says the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. So we understand because of us that are righteous, his eyes are upon us. He is attentive to us. He's looking at us, upon us. And it says his ears are open to us. His ears are open, meaning he hears us, right? Uh, so when you talk about those of us that are hooked to God and our lives follow God, God is letting or warning us to know that, listen, I see you. Not only do I see you, but I hear you. My eyes are upon you and my ears are open to your cry. And when you talk about the cry, that comes upon although we are righteous individuals in the eyes of God, meaning we're hooked to God and we follow him as being the righteous God, there are times that we need his help. So this word cry in the Hebrew is talking about to cry for help. Although I'm following God, in the midst of me following God, there are times that the enemy comes and attacks me while I'm following God. As we're talking about breaking point and as we're talking about the pressures of life, the challenges of life, right? There are times that the enemy comes and attacks me while I'm in route of following God. Amen. So understand, there comes a moment where I must cry for help while following God. And see, we saw many individuals while they were in a route of following God, they failed to cry for help. While they were being attacked, they they they, they succumbed because they, they they came subject to the attack. They never fought back. It became easy to give in and to quit and to throw in the towel while you were being attacked. Uh, but for some of us, you say, I've come too far to turn around. You, you understand? No, 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 no. I just believe that he's not going to leave me like this. He's, he's brought me too far that I know I, I've got to cry out to him because I trust that he's going to hear my cry, but not only that, I just believe that God is going to reach down and he's going to deliver me. God is going to save me from the attack of the enemy. That's why I'm willing to cry, because as the righteous, he sees what I'm going through, and not only that, he hears what I'm crying out to him. So I believe because I'm righteous, I'm hooked to this righteous God, and I'm following him, meaning I'm not deliberately trying to go, you know, contrary to what God is doing, or contrary 
contrary to what God is saying. No, my mind is made up that I'm going to follow you, God. I'm saying, God, God has got a hook down on the inside of my soul that when my flesh wants to rise up and get the best of me some days because he has a hook on the inside of my soul, there's some days God can just drag. Oh, no, come on, come on, come on. I know that I can't got your attention, but come on. He, he just pulls me in the direction that he needs to pull me in. And I'm so glad his eyes are upon me. He can see when I become a little bit hesitant. He can see when I become a little bit fearful or a little bit undisciplined. Some days you get a little ratchet and all these different things. Some days I'm filled with a little bit of anger and pride, arrogance, all these different things. But I'm so glad that he sees me when I'm in the midst of struggling. But not only that, he hears me when I say, God, help me. Because guess what? Some days my prayers are not so sophisticated. Some days I can't get to the place where I'm talking in a tongue. My only tongue is my only tongue. And all I can get out of my mouth is God, help me, God. I don't even have the words to describe this, this turmoil, God, this trouble, this distress that I'm dealing with right now, God. This pain, God, that I have been subject to, God. I can't even describe what it is that I'm dealing with, God. This, this, this seems like what I'm dealing with right now, God. This seems like this is some made up moving fictional stuff right here, God. But God, the reality, God, it's my real life, God. All I can say is, God, help me, God. I can't even describe to you putting into words what it is that I'm dealing with. But all I can say is, God, help me what I'm dealing with. So I'm so grateful that the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. He's watching us, the righteous, and his ears are open unto our cry when we cry for help. And it says in verse number 17, the righteous cry. The righteous cry. Remember, those that are hooked to God, we cry. So it's all right for you to cry. If you have a moment where you got to cry, if you have a moment where you have to drop some tears, I'm just trying to let you know it's all right. You human. Baby, go ahead and cry. Drop them tears. And get it on. Not matter of fact, your tears, it's a sign of cleansing. It's a sign of releasing. All of those different things. So if you have to cry, you better go ahead and cry. Uh, it helps you get things out. It helps you unpack things where where you can talk to God. And even if you can't talk to God, go ahead and moan and, and, and go ahead and groan before God. Because guess what? His word says that he interprets your moans and your groans. So go ahead. If you got the moan and groan, go ahead and do that. I, I'm suggesting go ahead and cry. It's all right for you to cry. Some days, and I know some people are like, well, if I cry, I might never stop crying. That's all right. That's all right. Because guess what? He bottles up every one of your tears. So if you got to cry, why put your clothes on? Cry. Put your clothes on. If you got to cry, while you in the shower, go ahead and cry. While you shine, if you gotta cry, while you brushing your teeth, go ahead and cry. If you gotta cry yourself, that's it. Go ahead and cry. But you gotta understand that his eyes are upon you and his ears are open to you, the righteous. Matter of fact, he's letting you know that you are hooked to me. That even when the enemy tries to seduce you, trick you, and pull you away from me, or even when you get tired and wanna fall out and faint and give up, that I got a hook so deep in you that you won't be able to get away. Even when you wanna get away, when you think you've had enough. See, that's all of us. You say, I can't take another thing, God. And you think you had enough. But guess what? Even in a place where you think you had enough and you feel like this is too much to bear, I'm so glad he has such a deep hook on the inside of me that when I feel like passing out, when I feel like I can't take another thing, I just want to lay here and die. I'm so glad that he just drags and he just pulls me along because of that hook that he has on the inside of me. Oh, God. It says, the righteous cry and the Lord hears. You ought to be glad the Lord hear because see there were some people in your life that were designed, they were put in your life strategically to, to ignore you or uh, to turn a deaf ear towards you. Yes, but I'm so glad God is not one of those individuals because if everybody would have heard and if everybody was in agreement with what you were asking for, what you were crying out for, oh, you would be in a world of trouble right now. 
It would take the Pope, it would take the bishop, the archbishop, uh, 15 apostles, 27 prophets, and 33 evangelists, and pray that God would deliver you out of some of the stuff that you would have gotten. Had everybody heard your cry, had everybody gave in to what you were asking for, so you ought to bless God for the people that he put in your life that strategically ignored you. Oh, yeah. They taught you how to be heard by the right individuals, huh? It taught you to seek out the people that need to hear you. Oh, yeah. And not just trying to be heard by everybody, but I need to be heard by strategic people, specific people. There is a people that is earmarked for you. And I bless God that I found the people that are earmarked for me because guess what? The message or the gospel of God can be held out by the people that have been earmarked by me, that God has placed in my path. He said, the righteous cry, and the Lord hear and delivered them out of all their troubles. So God delivered, he rescues them, he saves them out of all of their troubles. Right? And so this is the thing, I'm so glad that God hears. And this word, hear it in the, in the Hebrew, it's the same word that is used for the Shema. Uh, God's mind is made, because when we talk about the Shema in the Hebrew, it's talking about hear. Oh, Israel, the Lord our God is one. That is the beginning of a Shema, right? Right. And when you talk about that, understand the people, their mind was made up that whatever God is about to say before he speaks it to us, our mind is made up. We are going to do exactly what he says before we even know what he's about to say. So in like manner, the Shema is working on behalf of us because God is saying, listen, I know all about you. Oh, yes. And I'm saying, you, my righteous people, I hear you, the Shema, meaning, okay, my mind is already made up, my mind is already made up, before you can get your cry out, yes, my mind is made up, that I'm going to respond to you, that I'm about to react to your behalf, that I'm about to move for you, I'm not just hearing you, the verbal of what you're speaking, but when I hear what it is that you're saying, I am about to respond, I am about to react, I am about to move on and act upon what you just spoke up, oh, I bless God that I am a part of those that he considered to be the righteous and when I cry, and when we cry, it's the Lord heareth us. Yes, yes, yes. Not only that, he hears what it means to hear and to understand, right? And to understand the real nature. See, God understands. It's not just us understanding the real nature of who God is as being God. But God lets us know he understands us and our human nature. I understand just how weak and how fragile you are. And I understand just how much pressure that you are on that you feel like you're about to break down and you feel like you're about to collapse it. You feel like you can't take another step forward and you feel like that's enough, not another thing. I understand you. And not only that, but I hear you. So I bless God that he hears us. To the point that he comes to deliver us, to snatch us out of the things that are causing us trouble, to rescue us from the things that is bringing distress and dis-ease to our life. Yeah. Yeah, he hears us, but not only that, it says he's delivered them out of, out of all he delivers them out of all of their troubles. And see, for some of you, you got to get out of that troublesome road you've been playing. Oh, yeah. He's going to come and deliver you because some of you like, God, you know, I'm tired. I've been living like this for 10 years, God. Something has got to change. Something has got to change, God. Guess what? He heard you, you righteous individual. He heard you, and he's coming to deliver you out of all of your troubles. Now, when we talk about troubles, and the Hebrew is talking about the straits or 
the distresses that come, right? And the other interesting thing, uh, one of the Hebraic word pictures for this, it talks about the hook man. Again, here we go, talking about this hook again. The hook man, meaning a man uh, that is hooked in, in, in light fashion, like a fish's hook, right? Uh, because that fish is on the hook of a man, right? Uh, you understand the process if you've ever been fishing. Once you get him on the hook, that, that fish is going to fight with all the life and energy that it has to, to free itself from that hook. And so every smart, Caster understands, just let him tire himself out. Uh, reel him in a little bit and let him go out a little, make him think he's doing something. Just reel him in, let him, let him tire himself out so that I can now pull him wherever I want him to go. So in other words, the caster understands that they're the one in control. I have you on my hook. You're going to go as far as I want you to go because you're on my hook. And I can imagine in this little fish's mind when the caster lets him start swimming back out to sea, you know, he get a little distance. He think he's free. He think he's doing something. Oh, I got the best there. All of a sudden, there was a jerking and there was a pulling and there was a snatching and there was a reeling back in. Come here. You understand what I'm saying? I'm having a scorpion moment from Shout out to, you know, uh, Mortal Kombat. Uh, get over here. I know you tried to get away, but that's how some of us feel. We feel like, okay, get over here. You having that get over here moment. You felt like I was about to escape this thing, but you had a get over here moment. Uh, you, you, you thought you was over anger, but somebody got the best of you. You understand? They said something that just got under your skin, and that was that Mortal Kombat moment. Get over here. Oh, yes. Uh, you thought you was going to be able to walk away from that. You was like, mm-mm-mm-mm. You put your hand. Not today. Uh, you even went back to KB and said, Not today, Satan. But it was that one word, that last word that you read in they texted it. Uh, you had that get over here on me. So, you know, I, I got to go ahead and tell them. I got to go ahead. I just got to be free. You understand? And I'm going to have to go ahead and give them a bitch. You understand what I'm saying? Do you know somebody can't? Yes, yes, you know somebody. Well, you had to give them the business, you understand? Uh, because uh, you had to get over here a moment, get over here. Uh, you, you tried it, you tried it, you prayed over your eyes all oh, good that morning, God. I rebuke lust out of my eyes, God. My eyes are going to be disciplined, God. I'm going to only have eyes for the things of God. And if you're mad, for the things of God and for my wife. But as soon as you got out and about because of this weather that we be dealing with, you're in the Carolinas? Oh, yes, the weather was not favorable to your eyes, yeah. The weather produced all kind of skin tight and, and, and scrunchy outfits. And, and, and all of a sudden, you thought you was going to walk by and not look over there, but all of a sudden, she caught and he caught your attention. And it was a get over here, mom. Your eyes uh, found themselves moving in this direction. And you find yourself looking longer than you were supposed to. You understand? You already knew it was trouble when you saw it out your peripheral. But, 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 uh, you didn't have, you didn't have that discipline not to look. Yeah? Even though you prayed over your eyes, guess what? Your eyes had that more to come back home and get over here and lust of the eyes was calling you over to them. Perversion has been calling somebody, get over here. Anger has been calling somebody, get over here. Rebellion has been calling get over It's been that more to come back for you. Oh, yes. All the talking about this flesh. Oh, yes, well, you're having to fight this flesh on a daily basis. And for some of us, your flesh has been getting the best of some of us. Get over here. You're trying to be spiritual. And your flesh is like, Get over here, because I got a hook in you. I'm going to let you run. I'll let you get in 5 o'clock prayer. Oh, yes. I'll even let you read the word on the Bible app plan. Oh, but it's going to come a moment in your day. I'm going to drag you over here, because I got a hook in you, and you are like the 
fish. Get over here. <laughs> I know you want to be spiritual. I know you want to play the part that you're the man of God, the woman of God. But let's be real. The enemy has a hook in some of us in certain places. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And so it says, the righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and deliver them out of all their troubles, right? So in other words, think about it. There, there are some people I've seen, I, I'm just not that dude, you know, but there were some people, now don't misinterpret what I'm saying, I love nature. I love nature. I love the things of God. I love animals and all. I'm from a kid, I've always loved this stuff, right? When I say I'm just not that dude, I'm not about to be jumping in the ocean or sticking my hand in the mouth of a shark to get a, a, a hook out of his mouth. Oh, no, you have to die with that hook in your mouth. You understand what I'm saying? You have to die with it. We have to pray to God that that thing fall out your mouth when you eat a fish or something. But, but I, I'm not, the kid is not about to stick his hand in your mouth. But came across this article in this video. This woman has been doing this for over 25 years where she's been swimming to the point that she can identify sharks who she's previously pulled hooks out of their mouth where the sharks have developed a relationship. I'm talking about this, this big fish that has the capability of eating you comes and just rests his head on your leg while you kneeling on the sea floor of the ocean. It comes and rests his head on your leg. What the father is going on right here when the shark that has the ability to chop your half of your whole body off comes and pulls his head, rest his head, because it is found you trustworthy. It is found that you help him in a time of a crisis. You understand? It remembers you. I'm talking about a fish, y'all. How much rain does the fish have that it comes and lays his head on her lap? I said, oh, Lord, that's some type of Samson and Delilah stuff. You're trying to trick her. You're trying to trick her, and when she's not suspecting it, you're going to get her. You're going to catch her slipping. Oh no! But the reality is, they communicate some kind, they communicated some kind of way to other sharks and other sharks that has hooks in their mouth, they come, whenever this woman, they, they know this boat that she ride in, they know the spot that she go to, and they have communicated to other sharks, and other sharks have now come, and she's taking hooks out the mouths of other sharks, she's been doing it for over 25 years, I said, Lord, what in the father's going on? What in the father's going on? What am I saying? I said that to say there was some of us for a certain period of time the enemies had a hook in you and you need God to be like this woman and take you and release you from this hook so the enemy cannot drag you where he wants to drag you so the enemy, so God can release you from the pain of this hook. Some of you can't even eat the word, right? Because you got a hook in your mouth. Yeah, I said it. You can't even eat and meditate and work on the word like you're supposed to because there was a hook in your mouth, making it uncomfortable for you to eat on the word of God throughout your day. Yes, 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 yes. It's afflicting you. It's causing you pain. It's causing you trouble. And some of us, we need God to take stacks the hook out of us, God, so we can be free. And just like, now this shark had enough sense to go tell other sharks. However they communicated, I don't know if it was a loop. I don't know if it was a moving of the tail. I don't know if it was an opening of the mouth. But he had enough sense to say, listen, there is a woman. Yeah, like a woman at the well. There is a man. Oh, yes, that, that told me everything about my life. You ought to come and see this man. There is help on the horizon. If you need help, follow me. Oh, if you need help, now we're going to have a real world of time at home. If you need help, get over here. Let me lead you to the one that can help you. Let me lead you to the one that can set you free. Oh, yes. He delivers them out of all of their troubles. And as we drop down to verse 18, it says, the Lord is nigh. The Lord is nigh to them that are a broken heart and save us, such as we have a contrite spirit. And we understand the broken heart, right? Uh, in the Gospels, it talks about out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth 
speaketh, right? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And, and I like the fact that not too long ago, MK, Elder MK told us about a broken soul or the soul great per se, right? Now it comes to the point where some of us are dealing with a broken heart, trying to play a role, you know, trying to act the part, but you got a broken heart underneath trying to play the role or act the part. And although you believe your acting skills are good part or not, guess what? Guess what? Guess what? You can't do the role right because of your broken heart. And the point that I'm trying to get at when the gospel talks about out of the abundance of the heart, the mind speaking, my, my, my. See, God gave me revelation. Some of us, your, your communication is broken because your heart is broken. And so I can ask you, why are you talking? Because their communication is broken. Why? Because their heart is broken. You're never going to have a flexing conversation. You're never going to have a whole conversation. Why? Because you're dealing with an individual that has a broken heart. And what's going to come from a broken heart is broken communication. No, you're never going to have complete understanding. You're never going to understand exactly what it is that they're trying to say. You're going to always feel like when they talk, they talk in this circuit, when they talk, it's a bunch of confusion. Why? Because they're speaking from a place of brokenness. They can only give you pieces of conversation, pieces of what they want to do, pieces of what their hopes and dreams and aspirations are, and what their goals are, pieces. That's why nothing is ever communicated properly, because you find them talking from a broken heart. And anything that comes from a broken heart, they're going to give it to you in pieces. Oh, I wish I had help right about here because y'all not going to tell the truth. You will try to cover up your broken heart with your mascara. You will try to cover up your heart with your S-curl kit. Oh, yes, you have. You try to cover up. But we see through all of that behind your S-curl kit and behind your mascara. There is a broken heart. We can tell how because it's present and it's evident in how you talk. Yeah, even your repentance is broken. <laughs> My God, you don't have true repentance because it's coming from a broken heart. You can't even repent properly. You can't apologize properly. That's why some of y'all have these raggedy apologies, and we can never, we want to have real peace because you're trying to apologize from a broken heart. Your apology comes out broken and all trampled up and in pieces. And we like, yeah. uh, give an example. Uh, the person who is wrong, they be like, ah. I'm sorry, or I, I apologize. And you have to say, you sorry for what? Or you apologize? Why do I have to tell you what to apologize? See, if their heart was broken, they would say, I apologize for doing X, Y, Z. But the only thing that comes out of their mouth is, I apologize, or I'm sorry. The reality that apology, that sorry is coming from a broken heart, you're not capable of speaking a whole complete apology. You're not capable of speaking the whole story. That's why you have bits and pieces left out of your story. All you can tell is you went to the store, but what did you do when you go to the store? Oh, you get to the holes in your story. Why? Because it's coming from a broken heart. And see, I'm trying to release some of y'all of the stress and the heartache and pain that you deal with some of these people. Now you understand why they can't tell you the whole truth. Because uh, they're trying to speak from a broken heart. And some of us don't even understand why their heart is broken. And then there was some of you know the exact reason, the exact day, the time, when it happened, and who did it. You know it. But you have not allowed yourself to actually be healed. And that's why for some of you, every time we talk to you, it's the same conversation. Like a broken record. It's the only thing you talk about. That's why some of us, we don't want to call you. I called and talked to you about X, Y, and, and, and before you know it, we were talking about what? Like, like, like that happened 18 years ago. You should be healed over that. 
And, and I understand you can't rush somebody's process. But on the flip side of that, your process could be taken as long as it's taken because you refuse to open up and let God heal you of your broken heart. You refuse to acknowledge the fact that your heart is broken. You refuse to forgive the person that broke your heart, and you refuse to move on. We're going to tell that truth. Because see, some of us are trying to use that as an excuse. Well, you can't rush my process. My process is not your process. Everybody's different than everybody's process. It is. But we're all healed in the same acknowledging and repenting of your sin, letting God come on in, open up and come right on in. And the reality is some of you are just making it difficult for God to come right on in. You want to have an excuse to hang on to your stuff. You want to have an excuse to talk the folk crazy. You want to have an excuse to look at them crazy. You want to have an excuse to treat and act funny with them because uh, you don't want to forgive them or release them for what they done. They did it so wrong. You can't go back and change it. Anything that can be changed now is you be here for your broken heart. I want your kids to understand what you be trying to say. Your kids walk away like, they go to the like, you know what they, you know what they saying to do? What the father? Nobody understands you. The truth of the matter is you don't understand yourself. Cause even when you talk to yourself like you do some days, Oh, yeah. If you like me, some days I have to tell Lincoln, get it together. Lincoln, you need to stop. You understand? Even when you talk to yourself someday, you don't understand yourself because your broken heart has left you with broken communication. You understand yourself someday. Oh, yes. This is, but the Lord is not to them that are a broken heart. Huh? The fact that He's close to us, those of us that our hearts are broken in peace. Even though you've got broken communication, guess what? The good thing is, He is close to you. And it says the same as such as be of a contrast with those that are truly remorseful for what you have done wrong. I am close to those, and I say such a one that, that are, are truly remorseful for what they've done. You truly want to make amends for what you've done. You truly are apologetic for how you wronged somebody. Said the wrong thing, looked the wrong way, tone was wrong, timing was wrong. You understand? Accusation and assumptions were wrong. You even some days your discernment was off, or what you call to be discernment, which was really an assumption. You know, you try to act like it was discernment because if the discernment is a gift from the Holy Ghost and it's an activation by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not going to be off. So your discernment, really your assumption, it was off. But if you're truly remorseful, regret it. He saved such that be. Of a contrite spirit. So this broken heart, this broken spirit, he, he, he's close to you and he saves you. And it says, listen, uh, uh, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivered him out of them all. And again, look at this word, the righteous again. So talking about God and the righteous, the righteous, those that are hooked, right? Hooked to follow the life of God. The life that God has designed. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many. It's, it's, it's the first word of the sentence is many. And some of us be confused. Like, well, God, why am I going through this? Like, hold up. I'm thinking life should have been better now because I've came on your side. I, I'm a son. I'm a daughter of God. Listen, I'm a man or a woman of God. Listen, like, like things should be better. No, many are the afflictions of the righteous. And this is the thing. This word in affliction in the Hebrew is talking about when the heart is surrounded. 
Oh, yes, yeah. When the heart is surrounded by suffering, when the heart is surrounded by trouble, when the heart is surrounded by misery, right, it, it brings affliction towards you. So when your heart is being agitated, when your heart is being messed with by the enemy, yeah, and our heart can be messed with by the things that we see and by the things that we hear and by the things that we experience or the things that we encounter by a fellow man and, and, and woman, sister, brother, husband, wife, son, daughter, mama, daddy, our hearts can be afflicted by these things that we experience. So there's some things that you hear, see, experience, encounter that will bring your heart suffering, that will bring your heart trouble, that will bring your heart misery, and it surrounds your heart. But then the second definition for this word affliction talks about when the heart is twisted. Hey. And see, most of us, we bring affliction upon ourselves. Oh, yes. Righteous, but my heart is twisted. Oh, my God, my God, my God. Uh, uh, and see, when you talk about that, that twisting, it, it goes to the word wicked. That, that was, I'm, I'm, I'm righteous, but I got some wicked ways in me. Mm -hmm. You know, you know somebody can't even relate. You say, it's, 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 I'm not saying I don't like them. I don't like their ways. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. You said it before. You said it before. Some of y'all have even said it about me. Yeah, I, I don't like his way. I don't like how he do things. Well, listen, I'm doing it the way I believe God is telling me to do it. So if you got a problem with how I do it, you got a problem with what God is telling me to do. Understand that right there. There's a truth be told. I have an issue with the way God does things and says things many a day. But you know what I come to? The, the conclusion that I come to is that wicked part of me. That wants to twist what I know is right that God is saying. That I know is true. We understand God can't speak nothing but truth and what God, because he's a righteous God, he speaks only those things that are righteous. It's that wicked part of me, that wicked nature, this flesh that I deal with that wants to twist what I know to be righteous coming from the mouth of God. In other words, I wanted to make it fit me. You know how we do. We try to make scripture fit our situation. That's not even what the scripture says. We try to take it all out of context uh, for what you're dealing with to make it fit what you have going on, to make it fit you being right, not being wrong, to make it fit that you're the one in the place to correct somebody. Yeah, no, 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 no. It's that wicker, that wicked part, that twisted heart that some of us still deal with. Righteous now, God has a hook in you. You're following God, like me some days, but guess what? There's some days I want to twist some stuff. Oh, yeah. And just like me, so do you. I know you don't want to say it, but I'm going to say it for you. And I know you don't want to type it. If I could type it, I'd type it for you. Uh, but I wish one of y'all would do me a favor type it for all of y'all. Say, that's all of us, God. Because, you know, we, we good at saying, me too, God. You should say, all of us too, God. Yes. Yes. So all of us deal with a twisted heart. I don't care if you've been saved 54 years. You deal with a twisted heart some days speaking about your wicked nature this flesh that you must wrestle with every day yeah. and if you're not careful your flesh will get the best of you if you allow it an opportunity it will get the best of you i'm talking about you can fast and pray but if you open the door to your wicked flesh it will get the best of you yes through the small things you roll in your eyes 
cutting your eyes and you lifting your nose up in pride and arrogance like you're better than somebody or because you thought the answer wasn't sufficient enough. You know how you got so crushed? Like, uh, you understand what I'm saying? Uh, uh, those different thoughts, crazy thoughts that you have in your head, you didn't speak them, but you thought them. God saw them. His eyes are in every place beholding the evil as well as the good. He saw it as well as he heard it. That's that twisted part of your heart. That's that wicked part, that nature. And we must be careful because this is many of the afflictions of, uh, 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 the afflictions of the righteous. And some of the afflictions are, are, are self-inflicted upon us. We, we, we did it to ourselves. And who's going to be honest enough to say, I did it to myself. I chose that. That I know you want to say fool, but I'm calling on fool. I, I chose, say more to God. Say, say man of God, cause, cause God still calls a man of God. Yes, God still sees him as a man of God. They're not acting like one. They're not talking like one. They're not living like one. Call a man of God. Call him back into their purpose. And say, I married that, that man of God. Say, I, I married that woman of God. Yes, she's a woman of God. Yes, she's a woman of God. I know she argues all the time. And the Bible tells you that it's, it's easy to go live on your rooftop than to be in the house of this nagging woman. But call her a woman of God. Yeah, you don't understand. Her nagging ability lets you know that guess what? She has the ability to nag God. Matter of fact, she may be the reason why y'all got some of the things that y'all got because she didn't quit. She kept on nagging God. She kept on going to God. God, you said. God, you said. God, you said. God, you said. I know you quit. You're talking about it's easier to, to, to live on a rooftop than in the house of this nagging woman. But the truth be told, you ain't gonna give her credit. Y'all got some of the things she got because she didn't stop nagging God. She wearing God with her request. Well, you gave up. I just, God just ain't gonna do it, man. We might always just stop praying. It ain't meant to be. It's not his will. Oh, no. She, uh, she never gave up. She kept going to God. No, God, you made us a promise, God. You told us, God. She was reminding God of what he said. Now, I'll talk about that nagging woman. Now, I can stand and live with that kind of nagging woman who would keep on going to God until it happens. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivered him out of them all. Oh, yes, he said, uh, he delivers them out of them, but the Lord. And I, I, I struggle with whether or not I should entitle this particular message, but the Lord. Because see, that's a good place to put a pen right there. Oh, if you had some praise music, I wish you could put me on pause right now and put some praise music on in your house and just begin to dance. If you got to make a praise music, give it in your head and just get up and get to give God some praise. I know the enemy tried it, uh, but right there the scripture says, but the Lord. Hey, my God. Yeah, the enemy tried to make you. The enemy brought to a negative report. The enemy is brought to a bad and evil report. But the Lord, oh, your faith is a little low. Things seem to be a little tricky right now. You don't know what the outcome is going to be. But the Lord, hey, it says, but the Lord delivered him out of them. Oh, you got to know. But the Lord shall deliver you, and this too shall pass. Oh, oh, he's just waiting for your faith to get on up a little bit higher. He's just waiting for you to trust him with all your heart and stop leaning to your own understanding so that he can direct your ways. Oh, yes, oh, yes. You got to stop trusting you, but put your trust in him. You got to stop going up with what you think and go on what the word says. No, I know this is what God said. He's not a man that he should lie to the son of man that he should repent. If he spoke, he shall bring it to pass. But the Lord, that's where you ought to have a but the Lord moment. I know we're so used to the DEAP, the deep moments where we drop everything, you praise God. But there comes the moment where your DEAP moments can turn into a but the Lord moment. Yes, thank you. My God. But the Lord, you don't even understand. Shut off my mouth. Get the Lord. 
<laughs> you that broke down by now, but the Lord, my heart should be torn to pieces, but the Lord, I should have gave up by now. I should have but the Lord, you but I'm excited I'm encouraged that even in this there is a relationship that God has with the righteous and we see the relationship here when you should fall apart when you should break apart when you should break down when you should break 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 out whatever the case may be you have it because God has a hook in you he considers you to be his righteous and he has the ability to deliver you from all of your afflictions. Those things that cause you suffering, those things that cause you pain, those things that bring trouble into your life, those things that bring misery into your life, God can deliver you from every last one of your afflictions. Do you trust God? Because we're talking about God and the righteous. There is a relationship that God has with righteous. Amen. I pray you would allow the world to do what it's supposed to do. See this so. And the father ground, that broken up ground of your heart, that the work was spring up in you and bring forth change. Amen. Amen.